Come on. We have some special guests here today. Is Oshkosh in the house? Come on. What about Madison? Is Madison in the house? Come on. Green Bay. Is Green Bay in the house? Hey. What about Milwaukee? Is Milwaukee in the house today? Come on. We believe this is the most exciting thing happening in Wisconsin today. This is not an ordinary church. We're part of a movement for Jesus Christ. And you know, the best decision I ever made was to get baptized back in 2015, become a disciple. So it was an incredible day. Now, I'm not the normal Sunday preacher. Okay, so if you throw enough stones, Jay might come up here and speak for you. Okay. But, uh, you know, truly sharing this morning with you would be a great memory of mine. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Marcus Cameron. And my incredible wife, Heather, and I have the privilege to lead what's called the Chosen Region here in the church. Shout out to the Chosen family. And I want to thank Jay and Barb for truly embodying the scripture of great patience and careful instruction. Come on. Uh, you know, I would normally share some news from around the world, but uh, we already saw some incredible things uh, happen. And uh, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine remaining faithful despite some extreme changes to their lives. And so often God does this to see how we will respond, right? To see what is our faith really in. Come on. And if it's going to be in him, then it's going to be a faith that's pure gold. But other times our faith is in the familiarity of cozy circumstances. And our world is changing right before our very eyes. Gas prices. See some of you identified with that one. War. Technology, replacing occupations, climate change, right? We have questions. What kind of world is it going to be when my children get a chance to go to college, yeah. right? So the uncertainty of things can get us a little nervous. It's normal, right? little fun fact, the, uh, the founding fathers wrote in the Declaration of Independence that they believed it was the normal disposition of man to suffer rather than to change. Wow. And they said, we can't be like that. And so the question is, gosh, what, what is it about change we don't like? Okay. And so I got a question for you guys. Do you have all the faith you need to face the future? Come on. Yeah, maybe, maybe you guys sound like you, you do. Uh, you know, do you guys have Maybe I should just pack it up and go. Huh? Yeah, yeah, no? No? You need more faith? You need more faith to face the future? Okay. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. Our lesson today is faith for a changing future. I'm going I'm to pray for you guys right now. <laughs> uh, Father God, we thank you so much, God, for this incredible morning. God, I pray, God, that you would just remove me and allow the, the spirit to speak, God, to all those you've gathered here today. Father, one worthy to be in your presence, I pray, God, that you would encourage us and you would write these things in our heart that we can please you in every way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so a little very brief context here. At this point in Jeremiah's walk with God... He's had to warn the people several times about the judgment God is bringing on them for their sin. And in the previous chapters leading up to this, Jeremiah pleads with God to stop the judgment. Okay, but God responds with a no and shows Jeremiah he doesn't get the big picture. Okay, now Jeremiah can't see much further than his own circumstance and his own people. Okay, sounded all like us sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. So God has to help him out with a little visual aid right here. Jeremiah chapter 18. This is the word 
that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does not, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I intended to do for it. Point number one, plans can change. First conviction we need to have to face a changing future is to know that plans can change. That's right. Let us read verse uh, 11 through 12. It says, Now therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, This is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, It's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. Love. This puts the fear of God in me. Right? Come on. He's saying, Jeremiah, here's what you need to understand. I'm God. And I have the right to do anything I want. Right? And his plans are a lot more involved than ours. God shuffles the nations. Okay, we see that. And if he says he'll reconsider his plans on that scale, he'll certainly do it for any one individual. And so sometimes God makes a plan to bring disaster. He says, okay, I'll give him 40 days, then disaster. That's the plan, okay? That's what he did in Nineveh, right? They repented, and God pulled back. You can read about all that in Jonah. But sometimes God plans something good for us. Then we get into a whole bunch of sin, and God has to change the plan. You ever felt like that was you? Yeah, I have. It's not a good feeling. Right? You feel like you blew it. Okay? But it's not over because God is merciful. Yeah. Okay? But we don't want to force God to alter the course of our lives because we're stubborn. Okay? Now, God says in the passage, I'm going to bring pain on your life so that you ultimately see the error of your ways and turn back to me. Okay? Because I'm a compassionate and gracious God. But what did they say? They said, it's no use, God. Bring whatever suffering you want on us. We're going to do what we want. And so I beg you, don't get to that point. God is working with us to get us to heaven safely. Nothing on earth is worth passing that up. And talk about things changing, Victor and Marlene going to Kentucky. Okay. I bet a lot of you didn't plan for that, did you? (laughs) And so, hey, amen for your schedule, but what about them, right? What about the kids? What's the plan? Right? Okay, can you, <laughs> you, you want to know the plan? <laughs> These guys want to know. Um, can you imagine hearing that? You're going to Kentucky, right? Is there a lake? Is there culvers? Right? Right? 
See? God wants all men to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. So you know he has a plan. Yep. When we're consistently faithful, God can work with us. And we don't even know what all the plans are. But when you surrender to God, it doesn't matter. Okay, because we walk by faith, not by sight. And we're all connected, so we're going to all feel the ripple effects of whatever God decides to do. And so we're already feeling the effects of the war in Ukraine, and and who knows what that's going to mean for us down the road. Uh, But when you walk with God, you don't panic. Okay, there's a, a freedom God wants us to have in all of this. Okay, the question is, does that define you? Okay, are you at peace when things are changing, or do you get upset and make it harder for others to be solid? The Ukrainian disciples are faithful, right? And they still love their Russian brothers and sisters. That sends a powerful message to the world about the power of Christ. And with the Montanos leaving, it means a lot of things are going to change for us. And they've been like a mom and dad to a lot of you. And we'll miss them. But change is coming to Louisville, amen? Right? And they're not just going there for a weekend to pass out some Bibles and kiss some babies. Okay? (laughs) That's what a lot of people think a mission team is, right? No, they're going there to call people to change, right? So think of the family members of those who Victor, Marlene, and and Bronze here are going to baptize, right? Okay, hey, we plan to do this and that with you, and then you became a disciple, and and you changed the plans. Okay, they didn't change the plans. God changed the plans. But your faith can't be in them, right? Our faith has to be in God. And so the question is, do you see people moving, or do you see God moving? Okay. So God has one giant plan to gather people from every nation before him. That's not going to change. Okay, you can read about that in Revelation. But all the plans within that can change according to his will. So work that out. And so my challenge here is to never lose heart again over change plans, but to be faithful. Okay. Point number two is anyone can change. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. You guys still with me? Yeah. I haven't seen any stones yet. First <laughs> Timothy chapter 1. So if we're going to have faith for the future, we've got to believe that anyone can change. And I want to lift up this, this church because you don't have this kind of diversity unless you have the, the faith in people. Yep. And it's awesome. Now right here, this is written by the great apostle, and he's exhorting Timothy to preach the truth in the face of false doctrines, spiritual myths, and in his words, meaningless talk, okay, which are all the enemies of spiritual transformation. And he launches into a section here that's literally exploding with gratitude for his own change. And he says here, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given me strength that he has considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. 
Amen. He says he was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. Okay. Now, we know from John chapter 4 in the Seeking God study, God is seeking true what? Worshippers. Hey, you guys are good. You guys are getting this stuff. Okay. What's the opposite of a true worshiper? Wrong answer. Okay. There's no such thing as a false worshiper. False worshiper is no worshiper at all. The opposite of a true worshiper is a blasphemer. Okay? And so we were all one before we were the other. And there's two kinds of blasphemers. I'll explain it because it'll build your faith in God because you can't know the riches, the richness of his grace until you understand the poverty of our own sin. Okay? So the first kind was how I was. For 27 years of my life, I lived as a pagan refusing to acknowledge God for a single thing. I used his name in my curse words for emphasis. Okay. A little story. We had uh, Frankie and Maritza over for dinner last night. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, those two lovebirds right there. Frankie said, delicious. <laughs> and so uh, they're fired up about what we ate. But a lot of people sometimes ask me, okay, where did you learn to cook? And I always say, uh, my grandma, because she's on a whole nother level. I think five kids will, will do that to you. Okay, my mom was a single mom with three boys. And so if you want to eat, you better learn how to cook. Okay, because you ain't getting no money, right? Boy, I gave you money last year on your birthday. Okay, what'd you do with it? Okay. Okay, so I, so I told Frankie Maritza I learned how to do two things. Learned how to cook and learned how to steal. And they were like, they were like, they were like shocked. So... That's who I was, right? 11 years old, had a little crew I ran with, and our main interest, I was thinking about it, were the extortion of lunch monies, uh, fights, and petty thefts, right? We thought we were rough and tough, you know? (laughs) And so six kids walk into a 7-Eleven, three distract the cashier, the other three take him for all he's got. That's how I learned to think, right, from a young age. The only thing wrong is getting caught in my eyes. Because then you're stupid and you get caught. But I was an immoral, blaspheming, vile mouth. What did I say here? Thief. Immoral, blaspheming, vile mouth thief. The question is, do you see sin how God sees it? Or do you downplay it until it's totally rationalized away? So we're all tremendous sinners, but not everybody perceives themselves that way. But it changes a person's gratitude when they get it. There's more of a sense of, I've been rescued. And then there's more of a drive to rescue others. So that was the first kind of blasphemer. Go in Romans chapter 2. We're going to look at the second. And we're going we're to pick it up toward the end of the chapter. Romans 2. This is Paul talking to the Jews, but it has a much broader application. Okay, look closely here. Verse 17. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew or a Christian, and you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others. Do you not teach yourself? Do you who preach against stealing, do you steal? 
You who say that people should not have committed adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is what? Blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Well, the second kind is a religious one. Okay, This is the kind Paul was. He didn't do the things I did. He always believed in God, never stole, was never immoral. Religiously and ceremony, ceremonially, he was faultless. The Bible says so, right? But he was a blasphemer, right? Not because he attached a swear word to the end of God's name, but because he said he had a relationship with God when he didn't. And it's the same thing today. Claim to know God, say we're blessed, claim to be a Christian, but sin blatantly, right? Don't obey the commands. Don't even really know the commands, right? Couldn't, couldn't find the time to read, right? That's how most people are, yep. right? We just okay. learned what God calls it, right? Now, why do I say all that? Because if Paul could become a disciple, the most zealous and deceived religious person probably ever, okay? And if I could become a disciple, a hedonistic, pleasure-hungry person, then what is true? Anyone can become a disciple. Come on. But it has to be an act of God. Right? The point of anybody can change is really the point of Christ's love can compel anybody to change. Right? That's what motivated Paul, and that's what I have to fight for on a daily level. It's not hard to see sin. Sin can see sin. Anybody can do that. Right? Only faith can envision another person being faithful. Right? And God wants to put his kindness on display in those kinds of people. It's a whole different thought process. And uh, we say stuff like, well, I don't know if they can make it because of the job situation or the girlfriend or, you know, boyfriend, whatever, whatever's going on. And uh, Jay had to call me out on this. And, uh, you know, I need to be higher on those who are wrestling to make decisions for Christ. More positive, more vision, more talking about their strengths. Amen. And so you have to ask yourself, how quickly do I stop believing? Right? Or do I pull my heart back from the whole thing because people just aren't open? Right? Now, we've got to know where they're at so we can help them. But don't ever let the stinking thinking kick in, okay? I want to call us to see the best in people, yeah. right? Somebody was faithful with you. Okay, turn to Psalm 102. Now, Psalm 102, this is a beautiful prayer and showing an understanding of God's nature. Psalm chapter 102, verse 25. It says, In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. Point number three, God never changes. Having a faith for the future is faith when plans change. It's having a faith that anyone can change. But more importantly, it's a conviction that God never changes. And in a couple of short verses, it gives us an incredible picture of who God is. And this will inspire your faith. 
It compares the creation to the creator in two basic ways. The creation, perishing, and changing. The creator, eternal and unchanging. Now in verse 25 he says, The heavens and the earth perish. God never perishes. He is. Okay. He, there is no, no beginning. He's on the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am God. The self-sufficient God. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, John 1, 4. He's the living God. So in the question of, well, who's God? Whoever is life is God. And whoever is the one who gives life, that is God. All others are false idols. So my idea of being an atheist is absurd now that I'm in my right mind. In that nothing times nothing is everything in orderly fashion, right? It's crazy, right? Somebody would say that all of this is by accident. No way. False. It says the creation wears out. Okay, God never wears out. He doesn't even sleep. Psalm 120, 121 says he neither, sleep, he neither slumbers nor sleeps as he watches over the world. God has never even taken a nap. Before, in a, in a billion years, in, 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 the, in the entire eternity that we can't even wrap our, our heads around, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. He never wears out. He doesn't even eat. God is, he doesn't even need to eat. He doesn't need to eat or sleep, and yet he sustains the universe. He's a consuming fire for all eternity, right? His radiance never even fades, not even a little bit. There's no storm, no weather, no, no cosmic, anything of the universe that gets God to change one bit. He's not just described as majestic. It's actually another one of his names, 1 Peter 1.17, the majestic glory. Okay? He's the sustainer. The Israelites walked around for 40 years straight, and their shoes didn't even lose thickness. Can you imagine that? Doesn't even change at all, Right? And God's holding it all together. Every woman, one pair of shoes for 40 years. Oh, there it is. I like it. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. That's the power of God. Right? Okay. The women are like shots firing them. Verse 26, the heavens and the earth will get changed for new ones. He changes the heaven and the earth for new ones. Like a garment. God puts on a new universe like we put on a new pair of pants. Okay? And he never changes. His love endures forever. His faithfulness to an unlimited number of generations. This is God. You can put your hope in him. You can trust him. And he says he discards the earth. When it served its purpose, it's gone. Right? Once he saved all the souls who are faithful, it's over. Right? God cannot be discarded. That's ludicrous. Okay. Job says, who can summon him to court? Okay. Can't discard God. Hey, God, I got a bone to pick with you. Meet me in court next Tuesday at 3. How's that going to go? God's like, what? I'm the judge. I judge everything that ever existed. That's God. And he loves you in Christ. And he's promised you eternal life. 
So closing this out, family, thank you for your attention. To face what's coming, we're going to need more faith. And we'll get through it because we're in Christ. And plans will change, but that doesn't have to rob us of our peace. Surrender to his changing plans. But let's not force God to change his plans because we're stubborn. And God wants this world evangelized. So that means anybody can change. Anyone can become a disciple. I was far gone. Paul was far gone. But the more grievous the sin, the greater the glory. And God never changes. His promises stay the same. You can count on them. Right? The Montanas are awesome. Shellbrecks are awesome. Come on. Come on. The movement, the movement is awesome. Come on. But it all fades. Yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And with him, you can have faith for a changing future. To God be all the glory and grace be to you all. Thank you.